Yes, indeed. Well, hi, guys. Ladies, kids. Man, it is good to see most of you guys this morning. A couple of you are already sleeping, so I know you wouldn't hear that. Um, well, I'm Dave. I'm the kids' pastor, the family pastor, and I just put my glasses into spilled water. Pastor Greg, I warned you about there was water under here. Okay. Okay. That's all right. The dollar store has plenty more glasses. <clears throat> oh, my. Happy Father's Day, men. Happy Father's Day, grandpas, great-grandpas. Happy Father's Day, stepdads who maybe signed up for more than you were aware of. Happy Father's Day, moms who are doing it all. We honor you, and we're grateful for the men that lead us. And uh, a lot of times we get together on Father's Day, and you know, this is where our kids... Hopefully, you know, we'll say something nice about us or try to cough up something or pay Hallmark to do it for them, you know. Um, and a lot of times, though, with the guys that I've talked to and even myself, it's like, wow, you know, I just don't feel like I'm that great of a dad compared to the other people that I see or the other people that I know or where I should be. And wow, okay, good. My kids have something good to say about me. And I'm glad that they're not remembering just you're grounded, you know, uh, that they're actually taking something hopefully life-giving away, you know, but sometimes you have those dark moments, and Father's Day can actually be one of those. Uh, so I just want to, I want to encourage you. I want to agree with that word that uh, was brought, that you might be grieving something. You might be grieving a relationship with your dad or your child. Um, maybe someone's not even around anymore, and it's too late to actually physically do something about it. God wants to equip you and be with you to make things right and to make things new today. So, I'm glad to have the kids with us. Just so you know, kindergarten and up are in here with us. If you have a child that's younger than kindergarten, there is full nursery care downstairs for, for preschoolers, nurseries, infants, just so that you know, because um, they might not be able to wiggle their way through my amazing sermon here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I've whittled it down to like 38 pages now that I have to use a bigger font size. Um, you know, um, I have to hold it out here just to make sure I can see it all. Um, <laughs> Clear. <laughs> all right. Yeah, security, if we could keep the fans from rushing the stage. <clears throat> that would be really important, especially with what's about to come here. <sighs> so uh, as I was preparing this, I felt that God had some specific things that he wants to say. And so there will be a few things uh, throughout the course of this time that I will be reading, but it's because I don't want to guess at them and mess them up. I really just feel like God has given us, uh, particularly parents, particularly fathers, um, some specific things today. However, this message is not just for dads. This message is for all of us that, um, that want to do in our lives what God has put us on this planet to do, whatever that is in a relationship, in a job, at school, in your family, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your ministry, um, whatever it is that God has equipped and gifted and called you to do, uh, God wants to let you know that, uh, that he's with you. And he's given us some responsibilities for that. So here's a little, here's a little overview of today. God's going to, uh, well, I'm going to share. Hopefully God will say, that's good. 
let's make it stick. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about our responsibilities, our responsibilities that God has for us that are living this life with Jesus, the responsibilities that are there. But not only the responsibilities, but God has given us resources uh, to do what he's asked us to do. God just hasn't left us alone, but he's given us resources to be a good parent, to be a good family member, to be a good person in this society. God not only gives us responsibilities, but he resources us to do it. But the reality is, uh, if we just say, yeah, God's called me and God's equipped me and it's awesome, without realizing that we live in a very dark world with a lot of violence and a lot of sorrow and despair and chaos and upheaval, um, there's a lot of resistance, especially against families, especially against strong, healthy families. And I believe that God wants to speak directly to some of those key resistances that we face and I think every one of us in this room are going to relate to some of these things that are real resistances to us living a successful, exciting, victorious life, particularly as parents and especially as fathers today. So God's aware that there's an enemy. He's aware that there's a war over your soul and there's a war over your family and there's a war over your life. But God has not left us alone to do that. Hi, guys. I love having the kids up here. I told them we were having kids' church up here today, so I hope you adults don't mind. Um, and then the rewards. God has given us rewards. Um, and sometimes we just don't see them right away. But there are things that he has promised for those of us who faithfully walk with him because he will faithfully walk with us. All right. I want to share. Uh, I haven't seen some of you since I was on sabbatical. Some of you are like, you were on sabbatical? We don't even recognize when you're here, much less when you're gone. Um, but I was gone for two months. I know, it grieved many of you. Um, apparently not. But uh, uh, I got to go on a road trip with my dad and my brothers. We went out, and we like baseball. So we went out and, uh, and saw some baseball games that we hadn't been to before, some baseball stadiums. We went out to Baltimore and... Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, saw some of our favorite teams and some stadiums we hadn't been to before. We rented a big Lincoln SUV and kind of pimped our way out to the East Coast and had a great time, lots of bad food and lots of great conversations and memories that were just a lot of fun. I spent some time away by myself in a cabin. Uh, I don't like being alone. I don't like being still. And I don't like being quiet. So that was tricky for me. Um, but it was a place that God wanted me so that he could so that he could be all that I had. And uh, there was no internet. I didn't listen to music for five days. These are like all the things that I go to. There was no Netflix. <laughs> there was chocolate. So it was me, Jesus, and chocolate for five days. Yeah. Hallelujah. And for those of you who think Jesus was black, it was dark chocolate, okay? You know, because Pastor Andrew and I were always talking about what color Jesus was. Because I doubt he had, you know, blue eyes and white skin. But uh, anyway... So much for talking about chocolate. See, even chocolate leads you into a conversation about Jesus when you're living, right? Never mind. <laughs> Have I said happy Father's Day? <clears throat> I want to pray for our time this morning. And uh, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad we get to do this together. So let's, let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, you are a good father. You lead us. You guide us. You've promised to never leave us. You have never, to never forsake us. God, thank you for the gift of our fathers. Thank you for the gift of our families. Would you equip and empower us today? Would you bless these families today with hope, with purpose, and with fresh practical tools 
to do what you've called us to do and to do it well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I came back from my sabbatical, and um, I had all these things that I wanted to accomplish. And as I was writing out all of these things and all these lists and all these bullet points, um, I just kind of was done. And I just felt the Lord whispering, when can I have a say in what I want to have happen on your sabbatical? Oh, (laughs) well, that's a good question. But I'm always afraid that when God talks that it might involve suffering or sacrifice of some sort. So God, I just, this is a pretty good list, isn't it? Come on, we can go with this. I said, okay, God, yes, I want to know what you want. I want to know what your plans are, what your desires are. I want you to consume me. And then I was waiting. Nothing's happening. And I sense that God's saying, well, what do you want me to do? And it's not like I'm hearing God's voice and God speaking in this room, but my heart is alive and alert to what he's saying, and and he puts it back into my court. What do you want? Bless you. Oh, yeah. The beginning of the blessings. And I said, God, first, I wasn't prepared for that question, and second, what I want more than anything is I want to be undone by your presence and overwhelmed by your love. I could list all of the ways that you've touched me in the past and say, yeah, I want to do that again. I want to go to that place again. I want to listen to that song 10 times again because it moves me. God, more than anything, I want to be overwhelmed by your presence and undone by your love. And over the next eight weeks, God just creatively and methodically in unexpected ways had me on the operating table of his presence and his word in worship and relationships, and I got to visit with people that I haven't seen in 20 years who have invested into me even when I was a young man. And it was so rich the way that God answered that prayer. So I didn't, I'm not back here a new person with new ideas. I'm, I'm just back a deeper, fuller, richer version of Christ in me. And you know what? That's something solid and sustainable that I can give my wife, that I can give my kids, that I can give away to this church and the people around me. I wanted to be closer to God, and he drew closer to me as I did so. So that's where I'm coming from. I am full, and I am excited, and that's that. I just want to give you a little update. All right. So at least if the message goes bad, well, his heart's in a good place. God love him. All right. So fathers, you are the value setters for your family. You, what you say, what you do, how you act is critical, not only to your children, but to the generations that are to come. Laying a foundation for the next generation is a big deal. Much labor and groundwork need to be done in order to chart that course effectively. So we're going to look at, first of all, our responsibilities. 37 pages left. Our responsibility as a father and as a family member. Train up a child in the way they should go. You may have heard this. You may have even known that it was a scripture. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I remember bringing our son home from the hospital, our firstborn. Everything was so wonderful in the hospital because if the baby cried, they 
they take it away so that we could rest. And I'm like, this doesn't sound right, but uh, you know, and but it was sure as nice. I got to sleep. Well, then those magic two and a half days were over, and uh, and we got the smallest car seat we could find. And then here's this baby that's like in this car seat, and they're putting it in my car, and I'm like looking around for like the police escort that's going to let me take this child, this helpless infant home. And I'm like, you're just going to let me take this and these 10 vases of flowers home? And yeah, it's your turn, buddy. (laughs) The doctor was saying, my turn. Oh my goodness. I, it was just amazing. I had no idea what I was in for. Getting peed on, getting spit on, etc. Lots of things. See, training up a child in the way it should go. Training is a big deal. I mean, knowing what I want for myself, kind of charting your own course, you know, yeah, this is what I'm all about. That's one thing. But someone else, training someone else, training up a child, I mean, that involves strategic planning and intentional implementation. Ooh. That's a lot of big words for me to put in one sentence. Strategic planning and uh, implementation. Yes. So it's something that we got to work at. It's something that we have to work at over a long period of time. Training up a child. We are responsible to prepare our kids for adulthood. You might be thinking, ah, that is a long ways away. You know what? It is. But everything that we do now is preparing them for what they're going to be when they're on their own. You've got 18, 19 years, some of us 36, but you know what? For the most part, we've got that little window of time to invest into our kids, to model something for them, but not just show them, to train them, to show them how. That's a big deal. So as a parent, when we, (laughs) we have two of our kids that are off at college and man, like, whoa, and then the next one graduates next year and like, are we ready for this? Are they ready? I think they're ready more than I'm ready. Um, Well, one in particular I'm ready for. No, never mind. Um, They won't be here till the evening service, so I can get away with that now. Um, Well, when we dropped our daughter Mary off at the university last fall, uh, it was was pretty cool. Then I came back and there was this wise older woman in our church here and, uh, and she said, oh yeah. There's two most important years of your child's life. I said, what are they? She's like, when they're two years old, it is critical that you take complete control of their life. Mm-hmm. Too late? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, and when they're 18 year old, years old, it is critical that you release that control completely and trust them into God's hands. And that was a good word for me to hear. So we're to train up our children in the way they should go. Another responsibility that we have in the scripture is to talk about these things with them. Well, what things? Well, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here it comes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Kids, you got that? So your parents want to give you another life lesson. They want to sit you down and make sure that you understand why they're doing what they're doing and why you're in the corner and why you're in trouble and why you don't have screens today. It's because we're trying to impress on you 
what we feel God is asking us to do. We have a responsibility as parents to train you and to show you these things. So the word says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So we're supposed to do this all the time. Moses himself seemed to think that God's law was plain and simple enough that every parent had the ability to share these things and to train their kids in what it was all about and how to do it. God's word is rich and profound, but yet it is filled with simple procedures that God invites us to do. And as parents, he invites us to give to the next generation. So these things are supposed to be done diligently, earnestly, frequently, carefully. So, I mean, I don't know how often we walk along the road these days or, you know, bind things on our foreheads. But uh, what this looks like to me is um, strategic times that we take, that we have most every day with our kids at some level is morning time, meal time, drive time, and bedtime. These are very special times that, that, that our kids are ready to receive something from us. They're not getting in trouble, uh, usually when we're driving or when we're at a meal. Um, well, some of them do, but uh, they wait till you get to Woodman's to get in trouble, you know? <clears throat> yeah, that was my family the other day. Uh, but capitalizing on those times, when you're around a meal with a table with your family, when you're driving, when you don't even have to have eye contact, but you can just talk, and share life together. These are important times at bedtime. And this is a hard time for me because at the end of the day, I am done. I'm just exhausted. I'm tired. I'm ready to crash. And I'm just, you know, and my, I just want my kids to go to bed, go to bed, go to bed, please go to bed. Go to bed. You know, and then I'm going up to them and just giving a quick prayer. You know, okay, good night, good night, slam, good night, good night. You know, I'm like, wait, 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 this is ridiculous. Daddy, yeah, buddy. Would you lay with me? Oh. I can't tell you how many top bunks I have fallen asleep in some crooked fashion in and waking up at three in the morning trying to climb down a ladder because I fell asleep with one of the kids. You know what? Those are precious times. Don't eat meal. Don't eat all your meals in front of the TV screen. Don't give token prayers or let your kids go to bed just by themselves. If you have the availability to be with them and to speak something meaningful and a blessing over their life and to give them something positive as they fall asleep that night. Take advantage of the morning times when they're just waking up and you have the power as a parent to chart the trajectory of their day by how you greet them and how you love them. And there might be a list of things that they need to be consequenced for, but you don't have to talk about it right away. Let them know that you love them and you care more about them than you care what they do or what they don't do because that's how the Father in heaven is towards us. He cares more about you than what you do or where you failed. He is good. So, whew, third responsibility, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We're responsible to trust God. That sounds easy. Well, some of us don't know that God can be trusted. I want to tell you that God can be trusted. Test him. Try him. Proverbs 3. Many of us have heard this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
Hallelujah. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Okay, that's for every one of us in here. Trust in the Lord. Submit to him. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. And there are rewards waiting for us. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So we have a responsibility to trust the Lord. Trust him. Okay. He is good and he's trustworthy. Children are a gift from the Lord. And as such, they belong to him. So parents, particularly of young kids and all parents, our kids belong to the Lord. God is allowing us the privilege and the pleasure and the honor of caring for them during this season of life on this planet. But these are his kids. We are managers and stewards of what is most precious to him, and that is his children. So all of the responsibility does not fall onto you. We are responsible to trust in the Lord to do what we can't do on our own. When our oldest son, Levi, was learning how to drive, uh, we had this stick shift, uh, which actually still exists. So it's a little car, and we, you know, it's really nice. We'd go into these big parking lots, and he could learn, and we could you know, have a great time, you know, and, um, and then it was time to get out on the street. So we, you know, we'd take him around the block a few times and, uh, you know, starting at a stop sign was one thing, starting at a stop sign on a little bit of an incline. That's another thing. And then we took a drive over to East town mall area. So we're over at East town mall and there's that, there's that crazy four way stop by Culver's over there. That's got eight traffic, eight lanes of traffic eight people wanting to do their own thing right now. And, uh, and Levi goes by the book. I'm pretty sure the man on the right is supposed to go first. You know, Levi, this is, this is how this works, you know. So you just work your way up to that <laughs> intersection. And, uh, okay, okay. I said, you know, not everyone plays by the book, especially at this intersection. And then I looked, and it was brownie thunder was the flavor of the day. And then I got excited, and uh, so I'm like, okay, focus, focus, you know. <clears throat> So he pulls up, and, uh, and it's busy, and we're back and forth here, and he's up to the stop sign, and it's pretty much his turn, and he <clears throat> lunges it, and the car dies. This guy behind us in this 38-foot Cadillac, you know, and he's just right on us, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and Levi freaks out, and, you know, and, and he's starting the car again and trying to figure out which pedal to push, and I said, and he, the guy honks again, you know, and this time people are going this way, and it was obviously we've missed our turn, and, um, and I just saw him getting rattled, and I'm getting fuming at this guy behind me, you know, and I was ready to put my Christian card in the glove box and go to have a word with him, <clears throat> but I didn't, um, so I put my hand on my son, and I just put my hand on his shoulder, and with my other hand, I moved the rearview mirror. I said, buddy, I said, I don't want you to think about what's behind you. I said, you know what to do. I said, you have got this. You know which pedals to push. You know when to start the car. You know what gear to put it in. You know when to release. You've got this. Don't listen to him. You listen to me. And I had my hand on him. I'm just rubbing his neck. He pinned that clutch down. He turned it on. And we went right through that intersection, turned into the Culver's parking lot, pulled over. And he was like breathing heavily. And he's on the verge of tears just because it was such an intense moment in time. 
And I am in tears because at that moment I realized that that is exactly what the Father does for us. Turns the rearview mirror. Don't worry about what's happened. I am with you. My hand is upon you. I will be with you and let you know what you need to do and when you need to do it. You've got this. Fathers, a lot of times we don't feel like we, need, we have what we need to do. We don't feel like we even know what our role is or where we fit into this mess. And so it's just easy for us to check out. God is saying, my hand is upon you. What's past is past. I'm concerned about you and where we're going. We can do this. Amen. God is good and he is faithful and he never, ever leaves us. So God's also given us some resources. Yes, there's a bunch of responsibilities. Okay, uh, train up a child. Talk about these things. Trust God. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Whew. How? Okay, that's good. God's going to give us some hows here. We have three resources particularly that have really impressed us and have helped us as a family. Our community, calendar, and Christ. Now, okay, how are those going to fit together? Watch. Hebrews 10 says, uh, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is a beautiful picture of what healthy community does. We can spur one another on towards love and good deeds when we're not alone. God has given us a unique calling And he's given us unique gifts, but he's not called us to live this life alone and isolated. We need each other. We need the body of Christ. We need healthy friends and a good community to do this thing well and together. Healthy community provides uh, a safe, affirming environment where we can share life together. We can share our struggles and share our victories together and realize that we're not alone. I grew up kind of in community. Uh, Church, our church met in our house. Uh, and we in Mount Prospect, Illinois. And so my brothers and I would stumble out of bed and come on down and, and there would be 30 people gathering in our living room every Sunday. And it was church for us. It was community. I mean, it was great. I mean, granted, you know, the youth group was me and my brothers, um, but our favorite part of Sundays was sitting on the couch. We had the ceiling fan and there was this one lady that liked to raise her hands real high. And we were just waiting. She had these long nails. We were just waiting until one of these days she was going to trim those nails in that ceiling fan. And we're just like, oh, and then they'd be playing that song that she really liked. And, and she's like, and we're just like, oh, it's going to happen. And we're just waiting for it. You know, so, I mean, that was before our conversion. Um, <laughs> but we sure knew how to have fun. Um, but that was church. I mean, these people, we would camp together with these people. We would travel together. These people would, uh, they, some of them lived together. And they would exchange vehicles and lawnmowers and and money. Like, there was never anyone that was in need in our church family. Um, This was all we knew as kids. As I think about it, and I'm looking up, you know, around at all of these adults and these families that were there. I mean, half of the church, half of our church was children. And there was nobody special or professional or outstanding notable in that group. It was a ragtag fugitive fleet of people that came and stumbled into our living room every Sunday. But I never saw a more satisfied group of people. I never saw a more grateful and generous group of people. 
these people had nothing, but yet they walked around like kings and queens, like they owned the planet because they had each other and they had Christ. And I'll tell you what, those seeds were planted deep into my heart and in my soul, which is why our house is usually often filled with people because people need each other. We need a community. Now, granted, there's a whole room here of 500 of us sitting in benches, and it's just not that easy to necessarily, you know, create memorable moments. But, hey, we can connect with people outside of here. You can invite someone over to your house. You can go out to lunch after the service sometimes. You can make meaningful connections. I know some of us like to sit in the same bench every single week. You might be able to find them and make a little connection. You know, if you really want to start something and test the relationship, sit in their seat. (laughs) But that's just unconverted me talking, you know. We pull the Christian card back out of the glove box and we'll move right along. That community was beautiful. It was powerful. It was authentic. And it was safe. Get around people that encourage you and that are not afraid to correct you. That's good community. That's brotherly love. That's the fellowship of believers. Another resource that God has given us is the calendar. Okay, Pastor Dave, find a scripture verse for that one. Here goes. Ephesians 6, 5. Sorry. Can you hold this so I can read it? <laughs> Ephesians 5, 15 to 16. Be very careful then. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil. You guys, the news in our neighborhoods is filled with violence and sadness and sorrow and strife and political upheaval. And there's just so much bickering and violence and chaos and mayhem. The days are evil. We need to redeem the time. We need to use the time that God's given us well, strategically, and be good stewards of the things that he's given us. So... That's where I say the calendar. Some of us don't like being controlled by a calendar. I will tell you what. If you do not take control of your calendar, most likely that calendar will take control of you. It is critical that you know what it is that you value most, the highest priorities in your life. Sarah and I go through our calendar every year, but then we go through it every week, and we, we make sure that the things that we value most, the things that God's called us to, the responsibilities that we have, and our highest priorities take highest priorities in time. We lock those things into time on the calendar, and then any lesser thing has to submit to the things that are most important that God has invited us to first. Most of the time... Many of us are driven to say yes to other people and to say no to our family because we're afraid of letting other people down. Our family's not going anywhere. We can say no to them, but we're really not calling it no. We're just saying, I'll be a little late. Oh, I can't do that tonight. Oh, I'll catch the next game or the next concert. You know what? And we're saying yes to people that shouldn't matter as much as the kids and the family that God has given us. So you might have to get used to disappointing some people, but your family will win as you say no to the less important things for you and yes to your family. Side note, dads, lock in here for a moment. Your kids are going to have a lot of relatives over the years, a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins and teachers and pastors and grandparents. They're going to have a lot of best friends, a lot of friends, a lot of neighbors, But there is only one person on this planet that was 
ever designed for them to know as dad. And that is you. Nobody was supposed to replace that. That is one role that should not be given away to anyone else. Now I realize we're filled with mistakes and regrets and (laughs) a lot of us would have to undo so many things that we can't even touch right now in order to make some of that happen. Yeah, but you can start today. God is, his mercies are new every morning. It's morning and his mercies are new and his purposes are for his pleasure and our good and his glory. God wants to start fresh today. So, note the things that are most important. Put those things on calendar. Put those things on calendar, young woman. And don't let anything snuff the life out of the things that are most important, i.e., your family and your soul. And you know what? I'm just saying, I do that. I'm not perfect. But if anyone knows anything about me, my soul, my integrity, my relationship with Jesus, my marriage, and my kids are more important to me by far than my ministry, than my job, than my role as a volunteer in the schools, than my job as a neighbor, by far. And God is blessing all of those things because I have chosen finally to live out the values that God has put in my life and not let other things creep in and snuff those things away anymore. So it is a victory statement that God has in store for all of us as we hear his voice and say yes to his will. You do not have to be perfect, thank the Lord, but you do need to be present. So if you're hanging out at the bar more than being with your family, It's time to stop. You need to get home where you need to be. If you're hiding out in the garage or just buried in the next house project, I'm just saying that's not a sustainable way to live and raise a successful and healthy and strong family. If you're on a sports league and you're just gone more than you should be at home, none of those things are bad in themselves. But if we're hiding and escaping from things that we need to be tending to, especially in our children's younger years, then we, are, we have our priorities out of line. And I'm talking as a guy that had to give up a lot of things because I was really busy. I made myself busy outside of the home because I didn't know how to handle all of the stress and the chaos. And I felt stupid when I'd go home because I didn't know how to be a dad. Here I am, a children's pastor, and I can't even parent my kids. My kids are running all over the place. My kids are disrespectful and disobedient And I would just work late hours. I would have late meetings because I didn't know what to do. I felt like a dud as a dad when I went home. And Sarah was such a great wife and could just take care of so many things, I just let her. I'll tell you what, it wasn't fair, but it was was all I knew. I didn't know what my role was. I didn't know where I fit. My kids didn't understand me. I didn't know what to do with girls. But God knows what to do with me. And God knows what to do with you. And we can trust him and align our time and our energy for the things that are important to him for you. Hebrews 13. 
Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We do not need to be afraid. We don't need to fear the unknown. We don't even need to fear being a failure because it's not fully our responsibility. And as the Lord said this morning, it's not our fault. We live in a fallen world. We are fallen people and we are messed up. We are hurting, filled with regret, sin, selfishness, shame, and just we just lack tools and self-discipline. And a lot of times, just common sense. God knows. He knows we're hard of hearing. He knows that we can't do a whole lot on our own. That's why he sent Jesus to give everything on our behalf so that we could have his presence living in us, abiding with us, and walking and going before us and empowering us to do the things that are too hard for us to do on our own. Wow, you guys, God, everything that we have is found in Christ. Christ is our biggest resource and he is our biggest fan. Jesus loves you and he cares and he wants to enter your family in a deeper way than he ever has before. Let him in and let him have it all. First service, they clapped then, but uh, that's okay. Just kidding. I didn't say that stuff first service. <laughs> I was just stalling for time. Um, okay. There you go. God's resources run way deeper than just money. Oftentimes, God can be found in those deep, dark places where you don't think he even is, where you think that he has left and maybe even abandoned you. That is the place where God is all that you have, that sometimes we find him to be the nearest because it's all that we have. Our Heavenly Father, just to remind us here, has given us these, these gifts, these resources, community, the gift of time, where memories are made, and the gift of his Son. Right. Nice feet. Okay, we're moving on. I'm going to blow my nose. Why am I announcing it? I have no idea. Yes, Pastor Dave is putting that back in his pocket, kids. <clears throat> I think I've said this before, but using a handkerchief reminds me of my dad. When I smell shoe polish, I'm reminded of my dad. Every Saturday night, he would polish his shoes in the living room and just fill that place up, and I could just hear the buffer, and that kiwi shoe polish, and there's my dad. And we would just go and sit by him and get high on those shoe polish fumes and <laughs> have great conversations. You know, to this day, I still pick up trash when I see it in the parking lot or on the lawn. The only reason I do it is because that's what my dad does. I remember going and just fussing as a kid and my dad would just methodically listen to me yakking and 
pick up the garbage on the ground until he could find a garbage can and put it in there. I eat oatmeal on occasion. And you know what? Every time I eat oatmeal, it reminds me of my dad. He grew up on a farm where the milk was a little wonky at times, so he wasn't a big, you know, cereal fella. But he would eat oatmeal every day. When I smell oatmeal, when I eat oatmeal, I think of my father. Why am I telling you all of this worthless information? Because what you do as a dad matters to your kids, whether you realize it or not. My dad didn't get a bowl of oatmeal every day saying, this is going to change my son's life when he's old. (laughs) But it reminds me of the man that he is. And it reminds me to be thankful for the man that I have become because of what he's done for me. So the resistance is real. We can't just live in this nice little bubble where, woohoo, I got responsibilities and I've got gifts and nothing's going to stop me now. Well, there is a lot at stake and there's a lot coming against us. First Peter 5, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy goes around looking for someone to devour, not someone to pick on, not someone to bully on the playground, like someone to devour. Like picture Shark Week, great white sharks. Man, there is nothing, nobody has a great white for a pet. They are rude, mean, vicious, hungry, and they are ready to devour and rip and shred. That is the enemy. He is going around perpetually like a roaring lion, like a great white shark, looking for someone to devour. We have a resistance. There is a war over our families, over our souls, over our lives. And the resistance is real. Here are some of the resistances that, that come up in our lives somewhat regularly that we've, we've had to deal with and, and how God has helped us do so. Maybe you can glean from something that's worked for us. But bad examples, busy lives, and biblical illiteracy. More uh, five-syllable words from Pastor Dave, huh? Mark that down. Um, bad examples. A lot of us simply just didn't have a great example growing up. You know what? It is what it is. You can't change what happened when you grew up. But a lot of us just simply didn't have a good example. And you know what? Hollywood, pop culture doesn't do a whole lot to support and cheerlead for faithful fathers, uh, steady families, and good husbands. So there's just not a lot of great examples out there, which is another reason to get involved in community. You realize what a loser everyone else is, and you kind of don't look so bad. That was a joke. You, you guys get it. We get in a community to help sharpen each other to become all that Christ has for us to be. And we're not alone. And when you're in community, God will allow some good examples to surface in your life. The Apostle Paul took a stand and he made a single re- simple request partnered with a very bold statement in 1 Corinthians 11. Paul simply said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That is a lot coming out in one sentence. Follow my example. Granted, Paul wasn't a father, but 
I'm not going to talk about that right now. But uh, as I follow Christ, Paul experienced a lot worse than probably any of us have ever experienced, dad or otherwise. Follow my example as I follow Christ. He said, I'm going to follow Christ because that's something that I can give away to you. Not how to be a better missionary, not how to just to be a better pastor or to be a more eloquent speaker or how to make Pharisees mad. I, you know, he probably could have written all of these books, but he says, follow me because here's what I'm doing. I'm following Christ. You know what? If that is our goal to follow Christ, then we have something that people can follow inside of us. Whether it's the people around us, our family, our spouses, follow Christ and then let others follow his example through you. So following Christ... Sounds neat. Looks good on, you know, a, a Pinterest plaque. But God invites us to take up our cross by sacrificing our needs for the sake of others. Particularly our children and our families so that they might know Christ for themselves. So if we're going to follow Christ, we're going to live our life as though it's not our own. We're going to sacrifice everything we have so that we can gain everything that he has for us. That's a tall order for anyone, especially when good role models seem hard to come by. Jesus is our ultimate role model, and we should look to him as our greatest example. Two things that I've said growing up to my kids, probably more than any other things that I have said, I love you, and I'm sorry. I mess up a lot, but I want them to know that I love them, and that I am sorry when I blow it. Now, I think every year I say I'm sorry less, not because I'm not sorry, but hopefully I'm growing and I don't need to apologize for as many things. But I want these kids to know that I don't feel like I have it all together, and we are in this together as a family. I love you, and I'm sorry. Dads, hang in there. Stay in the game. Get in the game. Our kids need you. Our, <laughs> my kids need me. Your kids need you. Um, even if you're not quite sure where you fit into the mix. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be what? Present. We need to be around for our kids, for our families. You never know when a need is going to come up. But if we act busy, if our lives are filled with busy things. Our kids probably will stop coming to us as I've experienced because they don't want to bother dad because he seems really busy. I don't want to seem too busy for my kids, whether I'm busy or not. I told some of you this before, but when he came home from work one time and I was going to stop in for about 10 to 15 minutes tops in between meetings and have dinner with my family. So I told Sarah, okay, 6.15, I will be there. Um, I can be there for maybe 15 minutes and then I will just kind of sneak out because I got lots of stuff going on that night. This is when I was gone many nights a week. So it was kind of a regular thing when our kids were younger and it wasn't right, but it was just what it was as I was trying to figure out who I was as a dad and a husband and a pastor and all this stuff. Homeowner, it's a lot, but it was life. So I come home, hey guys, they're all sitting at the table. I get my plate and I come and sit down and one of my kids says, daddy, daddy, take your shoes off. 
no, that's okay, buddy. You know, and I'm just getting my food. And, and my, my daughter also said, you know, Daddy, take your shoes off. No, that's okay. I just want to be with you guys. I want to be with you guys. And my wife's not saying anything. And the kids are looking at me, and they're looking at my feet. And Sarah says, the kids know that if you don't take your shoes off, that you're not going to stay. They want you to take your shoes off. They want you to stay. And I looked at the kids. We want you home, Daddy. (laughs) And this was in the season where I felt like I was most clueless about my role as a father. And my kids weren't looking for the perfect parent. They were just looking for dad to be home. Well, I took off my shoes. I immediately let that appointment know that I wasn't going to be there. And I'm not saying you can never have appointments that conflict with family time. I'm just saying I was hiding from my responsibilities because I wasn't sure how to execute my role as a dad. And I felt stupid. Now our kids are teenagers and you know when they need stuff? At midnight. That's when they want to talk. Really? I mean, I am in stage four sleep, sister, you know. I'll tell you what, there are so many nights this summer that it is just, a party starts at our house at 1130 at night. And I go upstairs, what is going on? I mean, our fridge is empty and there's kids everywhere. And and I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I get up there and we start making food. And all of a sudden, we're showing our kids that you're not... You are not an inconvenience to my life. You are one of the main reasons that I was put on this planet and the main reasons that mom and I had you was so that we could spend time with you. We're not saying that. You guys know that you're lucky to have parents like us, right? <laughs> yeah, because they're never they'll never agree to that one. <laughs> but by the things that we say and the things that we do, We're speaking to them and saying, you are not an inconvenience. I long to be with you. The heavenly father, the Lord of all the earth is saying to many of you this morning, you are not an inconvenience to me. I long to be with you. I am for you. I have made you. I know you. Your sin, your selfishness, your weakness, whatever, that doesn't take me by surprise. I am with you. And I am for you. You are not an inconvenience. Paul says in... 2 Corinthians 12. He says, God told him, 
My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. God's not afraid of our weakness. He embraces it because he came to fill the void that we can't fill on our own. Thinking about you, Dad. Sorry. The pollen count's really high up here. I think, I think I'm done. I think God is speaking. I want to invite all of the fathers to stand up in this room. And I want to invite uh, Pastor Nathan, if you would mind coming up here again. Can we applaud all of the fathers in our midst? You guys just rivaled Johnny Carson with that applause. Kids, I'll explain to that later. Would you guys mind, if, you would, if you're close to one of these men, or young men, or old men, would you put your hand upon their shoulder, or their arm, or their back? Sorry, guys, if this is invading your personal bubble. But it's nothing compared to how God wants to fill every place of you. God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for these dads, these grandpas. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our hearts and in our families, even though we can't even see it. But thank you for the gift of our children. God, I bet a lot of us in this room were encouraged. Hey, we're doing some things right. I bet some of us were challenged. Like, maybe we got to figure some stuff out like Dave's trying to do. We're not alone. You've given us many responsibilities, but you've given us so many wonderful resources to do what you've asked us to do as fathers. And even if we don't have any good role models that we can think of or anything growing up, would you let us take this day, take a stand and move forward in your good plans for our families? Would you address our pride that wants to avoid what you're speaking to us? And would you let us be set free as we trust you for everything? God sent his son Jesus into this world so that we wouldn't be left alone to suffer the fate of our own sin and our selfishness. He sent Jesus to take the punishment for us when Jesus died on the cross as a perfect son of God. He took our sin in his place and our punishment when he died upon that cross. And God showed his power over sin when he raised him from the dead. So God showed us his love when Jesus died on the cross and he showed us his power when Jesus rose from the grave. Okay, you can get your hand off of us poor guys here. All right, thank you. You Stay standing though. Well, I'll just stand up here. I just know I can't listen to what anyone's saying if someone's touching me. So God has given everything in his son 
so that you could be forgiven and free to be right with God. And all he's inviting us to do is to say yes to God's love and forgiveness for you. So here's a prayer that I prayed, something like this, and I want to invite you to whisper along and pray in your heart is, if you need to say yes to Jesus becoming the leader of your life from this day forward, God, I need you. I can't do this all on my own. Thank you for sending Jesus to take the punishment that I deserved to forgive me of my failures and my sin and to help me walk in victory and power and in newness of life. Thank you for rescuing me from myself and saving me for your purposes. I want to walk tall so that you would get the glory in my life and that my family would shine like stars. God, you are in the business of restoration. Would you restore broken things? As we make things right with you today. We're going to sing one song before we dismiss.